You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast. As always, it's Josie. And today um, I have a special treat for myself. Uh, <laughs> Today we have Delvin Case, who is a full-blown writer um, on the podcast, and we're going to talk about music in all forms um, and the arts, because you know music is art. Hi, how are you? I'm 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 really good. Thanks for having me. Um, so you're a writer for Pathios, correct? Yeah, I have a um, I write the only uh blog on on patheos that's devoted to music um and i try to cover secular sacred um classical popular everything sort of any any ways that music interacts with the christian story that's kind of on the table for me mm. so it's really fun whatever strikes my fancy Ooh, well before i ask too many questions specific to music and spirituality because i already have a bunch up in my head uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be on a deconstruction podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, I um I live in Boston and I go to a um a really vibrant progressive church uh called Old South Church. It's, it's United Church of Christ. It's right in the center of Boston. It's one of the oldest churches in the city, which is interesting because, you know, I mean, um I mean, it's sort of a it's right in the middle of the city. It's 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 a mainline congregation, but despite its having you know a long long tradition and probably in in the past being very very sort of center of the blue blood tradition um it's become a real leading uh progressive light in the city um mm -hmm. so that's where i worship now and um but it, even though it has a very high church approach to its sort of um a, a, a just general its general approach is sort of a high church in, in some ways um it also feels very, very intimate. And so it maintains this sort of evangelical connection with the importance of the figure of Jesus as a living presence and the importance of individual um, emotional connection to faith. And, and I came out of the evangelical church, which is probably why I gravitated towards this particular church. Um, yeah. I actually, you know, that's, you know, cause you, you know, you, you're not going to reject everything. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I found a place that um, allowed me to, um, work towards an understanding and experience of God that is close and, 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 and personal, um, while also rejecting a lot of the stuff that was really sort of damaging for me when I was sort of in the evangelical world. Um, I like, I worship with lots of different kinds of churches. I mean, I have, as a church musician, I play lots of different places too. Um, but I think where I'm at right now is, is a place that allows me to, to maintain a lot of the best parts of my evangelical background while also embracing a, a much more, a theology that makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> I dig um, it. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I did spend about 10 years teaching. Uh, I taught at an evangelical college for six or seven years. Um, and that was right when I was sort of deconstructing myself. So it was kind of tricky because I was, you know, a, a professor who was trying to work with the, and mentor these students um, while at the same time, questioning what I believed and how I lived out my faith. So um, it, what for me, it wasn't sort of a, I was an evangelical, then something happened. Uh, I sort of, something happened, then I I stayed in the world professionally mm. for like a, like a decade. 
yeah. which I think made it a very interesting sort of transition, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can't believe you taught at an evangelical university. That in itself sounds traumatizing. <laughs> I mean, I think I, 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 I frankly, like, I've talked to a, a lot of people who teach at, at evangelical schools, and I think generally speaking, the, with a few ex major exceptions, the faculty are a lot more sort of liberal mm -hmm. than you might get the administration or like yeah. the student life people. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I guess, you know, if the, if the administration knew what we were actually teaching in the classroom, you know, they, they would not be very happy. Uh, mm, I like uh, it. You know, and I'm sure there are some places where there's a little, there's probably a lot more of that sort of control over the professors. Um, mm. But the place where I was at really wasn't like that. Uh, so it allowed for a good amount of academic freedom and personal freedom and, and allowed me to be authentic in my teaching. Mm -hmm. Um and so it was actually a pretty good place for me to transform and, and transition in my faith. Oh, well, that's nice. Believe it or not. That's a positive. <laughs> I like it. I like to be surprised. So what is your um, instrument of choice on a Sunday morning? What do you play? Well, I'm a pianist. And when I have to play organ, I will play organ. Oh, uh, my I'm not, God. Just I'm not very good. Ones. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not really a great organist. In Boston, there are so many fantastic organists, so I, I don't get those gigs. Um, but I play a lot of styles like I and the church I used to go to, uh, we, we sort of had like a sort of a it was sort of like a southern gospel acoustic gospel worship band. Mm. So there was a like guitars and banjos and fiddles and piano. And that was <laughs> yeah. that was really fun, you know, because I got to play keyboard, but not in the sort of strict organ style, yeah. you know um that's funny that you play the piano on Sundays because I play the piano on Sundays, but in a the most rudimentary way possible. I'm fortunate that my keyboard has a transpose mode because otherwise I would not. I'm still learning my chords. Um, uh, it's a good thing. Did your parents make you take lessons? This is my own personal questions, but did your parents make you take lessons? Uh, they didn't make, like I really wanted to learn. Um, they, but you know, they, they kept me going when I wanted to quit. That's um, nice. <laughs> Yeah, my dad was uh, very content when I decided to take vocal lessons instead of piano lessons. He was bummed because he he only knows how to play everything by ear. So he was like, finally, somebody who could play all the complicated ass shit that we can't play. But anyways, so music and spirituality. Where I wanted to start this conversation was with, and this is so interesting that you're still in music in churches, because I feel like we can relate on this. But where do you stand now on manipulate emotional manipulation during worship big question <laughs> like what is what are your thoughts on that um well I, first of all it happens constantly um and it doesn't matter the style mm -hmm. uh, i mean i i i spent three years when i was at this evangelical college believe it or not uh because i'm a white guy i ran a gospel choir like 60 or 70 student gospel choir and we toured all over I mean, I, I, you know, it was not super comfortable for me, but a, a gig is a gig. And I, I work with, you know, students and arrangers to try to learn the tradition and on the fly, but you know, like that was great for me. And I've played in, I played in like worship bands and I've played, um, you know, I play classical organ and I play hymns. Um, and it, it's the task of being like the job of a church music director is if you want to be cynical, it actually is emotional manipulation on a certain mm -hmm. level like that. Like that's, I, and I don't think that necessarily has to be cynical. 
Right. But I, what I mean is that your job is to help worship to happen. Mm-hmm. Your job is to enhance the the powerful message that you might hear in the sermon, or if the spirit starts to move to help make help to help midwife that in a in like if there's some a revival that breaks out, right? You know, I've been in services where people start speaking in tongues. You got to go. You you got to help make that happen, right? Oh yeah. I mean, you whether that's manipulation is sort of a, where you, I'm not sure if it's manipulation, but the job of the musician is is to add that emotional component mm-hmm. to worship, right? Or to I like the term midwife, like to help it come <laughs> yeah. come come to life, right? Um, however, I, I always say that if pastors really knew how much manipulation we were capable of, they wouldn't let us in the church at all. Oh yeah, I uh, like that. You know? Yeah. Because we, it's it's a very powerful position to be in, and I think there's a real ethical responsibility not to do too much or to do it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. You know, because then you do feel yeah. like you're like you're manipulating people. Yeah, I think that's why like mega churches piss me off so much is because you listen to these sermons and they're so stupid. But people love these churches because the music is impeccable, and not to say that it's not worth the spiritual experience or whatever, but also these churches tend to cause so much harm and. The mm. prosperity gospel is all over the place. I mean, I grew up Pentecostal in the Latin mm-hmm. church. So the prosperity gospel and music are just like best friends. That's what gets mm. the money in my humble experience. Oh, yeah. And, and even if it's not prosperity gospel, I mean, you know, you always have a beautiful offertory hymn while the congregation is giving to taking the offering, right? Like it oh, greases yeah. the, if you want to be cynical, it greases the wheels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or you could turn around and say it reminds the congregation that the church is a special place mm-hmm. where beauty can, where beauty can live and the spirit of God can be brought to life in ways that are beyond rational understanding. And that's where I, what I think music is doing in the church. Yeah. As with any tool, it can be used for great harm. That is my immediate like remember like memory remembrance of growing up in music is yes it's like it is it's such an ethical issue because this is like a weird thought but like you think of the kids and like the youth group and everybody loves a guitarist and it's like but that happens in adult churches too Mm -hmm. like it's so like how many worship leaders have just gone on to be fuckwads but everybody loves them because they play a good set i don't know i just thought there's so many ethical ramifications of music in the church that I feel like we don't often think about. Well, being a musician can't put you in a certain position of authority. And that, of course, yeah. can be very problematic uh, for any. I mean, it's also another ethical responsibility uh, that's incumbent upon you, whether or not you're the whether you're the pastor or the music director or the or the, the church, you know, the, you know, or the, or the uh, children's ministry director. Right. So all of us in positions of authority, quote unquote, if you will, have extra responsibility. And, you know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Um but it's really hard as a musician because I, I mean, I, I, I as a, I'm a you know, music professor and I know to a certain extent how music works and I've got a lot of skills. Like I know chords that I can play that are going to do, like, I know exactly what they're going to do to the congregation. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot of power. Um, and, 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 and you just have to be aware that you have that, that you have that ability. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it's something which, um, with, you know, if you're, if you're not intentional about that, um, about that power, you can end up manipulating people. Yeah. You, um, so moving away from 
boring worship services what do you see right now when it comes to because you write all about this what is like the thing that sticks out to you right now about music in general and spirituality as a whole all over the world i mean i mean what's in sort of the christian church in america there there's just an increasing fragmentation of the kinds of music that is being uh that it excuse me i should try that again um in america there's an increasing fragmentation and a diversification of the kind of music that's speaking spiritually to people in the church mm. and what i mean what i mean is that yeah nashville and ccm it's still power, hillsong it's all it's really powerful right but there are so many independent christian artists there are sub sub genres of christian music that you can find that are and and if you find it luckily with the internet and soundcloud whatever like you can find this this stuff to speak to you so if hillsong doesn't work for you you can find something that does now maybe they're not going to play it in your church but if it speaks to you as a devotional aid or that's great you know mm -hmm. um i'm working on a big project right now that is about se secular pop music and how it has a that the ability to speak to to christians spiritually oh i um, agree you know so this if you want it's no longer just hymns or like praise and worship there's mm -hmm. such a diversity i think yeah i remember growing up my parents went through a phase where we weren't allowed to listen to secular music but me being like growing up in music and studying music for so long as a kid and like being taught to identify with music spiritually i didn't differentiate between christian music and secular music really on that level i mean i was and am and always will be obsessed like a basic ass bitch to the beatles to the point where <laughs> this is embarrassing if i'm having an anxiety attack which they happen more often than i would like um my partner will just play this is the beatles on spotify and oh. i'm like i'm like whimpering just like mouthing along and whisper singing to the beatles and it totally calms me down um and i do have spiritual experiences with that music from memories from lyrics all this stuff um i forgot what i was going with this but i so identify with that yeah i mean the other thing is like it, we oftentimes focus on the words of you know is a sec is a secular music or sacred music, right. you know, Christian music, based on the words. Let's be very clear. 90% of the power of music doesn't come from the words. Mm -mm. It comes from the music itself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and as we all know, it doesn't matter. You know, it's sort of, the words don't matter nearly as much as we might think they do. Like in some ways, the for, for praise and worship or something, we all, of course, the knock on praise and worship, et cetera, is that the words are somewhat meaningless. And you know, just just <laughs> the same thing over and over. And yeah, but that's also that's a misunderstanding of why that music works. It works because it's it's exciting and it's loud and it's repetitive and it's great. There's great theater lighting and it's all the other stuff that makes it work. You know what yep. I mean? Um, and and even with great hymns, you know, like a lot of the, hymn, the, the the words of the great hymns, there's some real complex theology. You could really chew on them, and that's why they stood the test of time. But no one just sits down and reads complex theological poems right. that rhyme. What you do is you sing them to to melodies that you know well. Mm -hmm. It's the music that makes the that makes the the hymns work. Yeah. Um. So there's so one of my point is that like, so if you're moved spiritually by the Beatles, the fact that they may not sing about God, that's not really that important. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's because the music is so good, you know. Yeah. Yep. Although people nowadays say that's not the case. And I just feel so sad that everybody hates the fucking Beatles now. 
It's fine. We can't all no, be I mean, revolutionaries. <laughs> yeah, well, but look, first of all, of course, they're wrong. The Beatles are great. But um, one of the things that makes the Beatles particularly sort of spiritually rich is that their music is so spiritually rich, right? And mm-hmm. because one of the knocks on praise and worship and stuff is that it's simplistic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the same three chords. It doesn't challenge you. It doesn't have, have any surprises. It doesn't reflect the real, the textured reality of the world. Mm-hmm. You listen to a Beatles record, it's, 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 there's an incredible amount of variety. It reflects the variety of the world. And in that way, their music just seems more real. It seems yeah. more robust. And we know if we believe that God has a presence in the real world, then we, we can't flee from God's presence, right? Like mm-hmm. then you're going to find God in music that reflects that reality, not in music that reflects like some, you know, shopping mall potato chip God. Yeah. And the Beatles, the Beatles is not that. Yeah. You know, and I think that's why the Beatles music speaks. Well, that's why it speaks to me. Yep. I agree. Um, at our church. Uh, so I run a church. It's a Methodist church. Funny how those of us who deconstruct end up at these fucking mainline churches. <laughs> Amazing. Methodist. Um, and we ha- always have these arguments with our older folks who have been there for generations. And they're like, mm, you only sing one hymn on Sunday now. And <laughs> like, you need to learn how to they don't actually say this but i have a feeling that they now that i started playing the keyboard at church we stopped playing the doxology because our professional pianist who would play for us moved and i'm like i don't know how to play the doxology that sounds hard i can barely play this c and d chord right now okay (laughs) but it's so funny how like because we are a generally a deconstructed community we think so hard about the fucking music that we're singing. Um, like, I'm uncomfortable if we sing a Hillsong song mm-hmm. because I don't want to support them. But also, Ocean sometimes just hits, and you just mm-hmm. gotta sing that song. Mm-hmm. What do you? What? Where do you stand on that? Like the should we support these people by singing their worship songs? This is cancel culture. What? Do you, how do you stand on yeah. worship cancel culture? I mean. Good music is going to it's going to survive. You can try yeah. to cancel good music now. I mean, look, there are so many. I've tried to are, cancel Michael Jackson in my head so many uh, times, and it's not happening. <laughs> well, you know, you can go there. You can go R. R. Kelly. You can go Morgan Wallen. I mean, there are so many yeah. people that are not that are really. I mean, there are many classical composers that were, you know, people who wrote some of the tunes that we sing, mm-hmm. you know, or anti-Semitic or whatever. I mean, like, it, yeah. So, look, putting aside cancel culture you know, a good piece of music is going to survive whether or not we cancel it or not, whether or not we cancel the, the, the composer or the artist or not. Yeah. And what I hear is the powerful thing about, about music in general, but I think sacred music in particular, and this is where I think it speaks to the deconstructing. I think our job when we deconstruct is to find, to go back and find how we can authentically express our faith, our faith in ways that are separate from the damaging ways we were taught. Right. Mm. And that doesn't mean reject, we're not rejecting our, our entire faith. We may feel like it. Right. But like, I'm not going to let those folks take Jesus away from me. Like they don't get to co-op Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm also not going to let them, like, there's a song that I sang when I was younger or whatever. And my other church, like they don't, they might've birthed it. They might've made it famous. Michael W. Smith might've recorded it, but they don't own it. They don't own it. Right. Yeah. I've made that my own. And I am going to sing it and I'm going to sing it right to God. And she's going to be happy when I do it. Amen. Oh my gosh. My good of you, Smith, was exceptionally disappointing this last few pandemic years. Mm. <laughs> oh, 
because I loved him so much. My dad loved because he was a great musician, right? Like this is I feel like I was so blessed having grown up in the Latin church and missing half of evangelical mm. music. Like, I don't know who Carmen is. I don't know what the Indians <laughs> have. I don't know. I don't know any of that. I don't. Mm -mm. And my dad speaks English um, and loves music. So he would only get the best music. Um, like Toby Mac's first album. Wow. Such a good <laughs> album. I don't care what anybody says. Um, so I feel very fortunate in that because I never really had to like think too hard about the music. Now it's unfortunate because I can't listen to Taylor Swift without thinking it's all repetitive and I don't understand what's happening. But what is, um, what artists are you most excited about right now in general? I mean, I listen to a, a ton of pop music because I, I teach classes in pop music. I teach songwriting and I'm, again, I'm writing this book on pop music and theology. Um, so I tend to, rather than listen to artists, I tend to listen to songs. Mm -hmm. Like, because in, in, yeah. in a sense, like, I mean, there, I, I think sort of too critically to say, oh my gosh, that artist, I like everything mm -hmm. they do. It just doesn't work that like that for me. Um, there is a pretty amazing uh, artist uh, sort of an indie folk artist who's sort of blowing up in the way that an indie folk artist does, which is to say not really blowing up. <laughs> uh, but their name is Spencer LaJoy. Mm -hmm. And they were a, um, went to a Christian college and now don't consider themselves Christian, but write a lot of, um, was her, you know, was a queer person who was damaged by, by their experience at the, at the, at the, at the, at the, um, the college, unsurprisingly. Um, but there are, this person has actually, um, Spencer has started to release music that really powerfully and graciously engages with the, the Christian background and tradition and in a way that really speaks to people who are deconstructing. And they actually go and tour around and play church gigs. Mm. Um, and, and of course, this is, you know, it's going to be a mainline church or a, a progressive yeah, church. Yeah. That's kind of thing. But like, if, if you're, if any of your listeners want to check out Spencer LaJoy, L-A-J-O-Y-E, uh, they have a pretty incredible song called um, Plowshare Prayer. That's just a a gracious yet just an extraordinarily gracious song that refuses to shut the door and bury the Christian tradition just because it's it's been damaging. Mm. Um, so I would I would check them out. Much um, more graceful than I am. I'm burn it all down kind of. I, <laughs> and I think that's why Spencer's music jumps out at me. Yeah, because uh, that's how I want to. That's how I feel like. I mean. That's how I want to be, but I. Then again, I'm still like I still go to church and write, you know, write about Jesus. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about this book that you're writing. Yeah. So, um, I the book is on songs about Jesus by secular artists, uh, and I've been doing research on this topic for about 15 years, and I found about 700 secular pop songs in all genres. That have Jesus in them, which is way more than I ever thought I'd find. And this goes back to the end of the '60s when I kind of started. It's all genres. It's it's a huge uh, includes the list includes songs by dozens and dozens and dozens of, of of sort of the best known secular artists. And these are not like U2, like bands that are Christian mm -hmm. but they record. You know, it's like people who are atheist, agnostic, nobody knows. But Jesus has been this figure that has really been, of course, provocative and intriguing and 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 challenging for all kinds of people for 2000 years regardless of their faith uh, and what i realized is basically 
as I started to study these songs that they just take such a, they take the gloves off. They ask the questions about Jesus. They, they challenge you. Jesus says they, 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 they challenge us to think about Jesus uh, in ways that you, of course you would never get in, in like CCM, you know? Oh yeah. So um, I actually, I have a website which has a database. So you can even like look up your favorite artist and see if they have a Jesus song. Uh, and there's like a bunch of links to stuff. Uh, it's uh, and, um, and it, it's a book that basically looks at how these songs help us understand Jesus in ways that make sense to us today. Mm. Yeah. Um, and frankly, they're just really honest and challenging. Yeah. Do That's you the know, way they do it. <laughs> do you know the song, um, If I Believe You by the 1975? that's that's in the paper that i wrote about this okay yeah. great because that song i have a spiritual experience every time <gasps> i hear that song yeah yeah i i know that what's the space is problematic now but i can't help yeah. it and um i think it's like you said it's so honest in a way that other music in the christian world is not like especially because yes i do believe in god but sometimes i don't you know and like you it's that begging of like show show yourself like what do you if you want me to believe, why aren't you showing yourself to me? I don't well, know. That's I the reality. Great. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh no, I'm done. <laughs> um, well, the Bible's is full of writings like that, like Job and the Psalms. Like that's biblical. Like yeah. where are you? I believe, but where are you? I don't think you're there. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we have stories about doubt in the Gospels, and then. But where are like when since when do you get together in church and sing a songs like Jesus? I don't know if you're there. I wish you were there, but I don't feel you today. Like yeah. that would be a song that would that I could sing honestly and authentically. But I never yeah. get that at church. I just get faith of our fathers, right? Like yeah. on, on Christ alone, solid rock I stand. Like it's just like church music completely ignores the reality of faith, which is that you don't always have it. Yep. Yet that song, if I believe you. And I'm asking you, Jesus, show yourself. And then the song ends. Yeah. Like we don't even know in the song whether if Maddie Healy hears from Jesus or not. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think I just the very fact that that song exists and allows me to inhabit that for like three and a half minutes. Like that's a blessing to me. Yep. Yeah, you know? truly. I mean, emotional manipulation. You got me. <laughs> I'm into it. Well, it's, 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 it's empathy. Like we need yeah. people to empathize with us in our spiritual situation, which is frankly, not always rock solid faith. Mm -hmm. And there are everybody, look at the Bible. Everybody has those, those, those challenges in their lives. And what we just, the, our music in the church doesn't, uh, doesn't give us that experience, the opportunity to empathize, right. Or it doesn't empathize with us. And so many, I mean, if I believe you is a great example, there are many other songs that are about this wrestling with belief and they don't even answer the question at the end. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel a lot of the time, to be honest. I mean, don't we all, we don't know until we die. And even when we die, do we really know? That's the whole point. <laughs> it's pretty, yeah. I feel like music played a huge role in my deconstruction personally, because, and this is a huge, like music has always been a huge part of my soul. Even if I don't, do it in the way that people think musicians should do it it's enough for me to scream at the top of my lungs in my car and when the music wasn't enough to hold me in this pentecostal church anymore i knew that it was done when i started going mm. to churches 
like because I went from Pentecostal to Baptist, then to nothing, then to mainline. Mm-hmm. But it was when I was willing to settle on the music that I realized that there's so much more going on that I needed to look into when it wasn't enough anymore. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's, I mean, the other thing about music is that it, it, like sometimes we look, we think it has, like, if it doesn't work for us, that like, well, put it this way, like, I'll just speaking for myself. Sometimes I go to church, the music's not doing it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to remember that, you know what, this is, I go up, this is why I go every Sunday. Because <laughs> like maybe in three weeks, it'll do something for me. Or maybe I'm not in the right headspace for it. But like, sometimes we put out so much pressure on church music to to make God apparent to us, to make us feel God. Like that's that's way too much pressure to give, put on a yeah. worship team or 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 Hillsong or any or Bach. It's just mm-hmm. too much pressure. And so it's like with a sermon, you know, like that sermon. I didn't get much out of that sermon. I'm just I'm gonna be even here back here next week, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think we sometimes have to view ourselves with a grace when it comes to our experience of church music. Um, and really it doesn't have to be all things to all people, but it doesn't have to be all things to us mm-hmm. also. Um, yeah, that's know. a hard part for me on Sundays. Like, I don't like this song. I don't want to play it. Yeah. But I do it anyway because um, it might not be for me. And sometimes it turns out better than you think it will. Oh, yeah. And then there's the question of like, I mean, I sometimes I think about this, like, of course, I'm going to sing along because I'm that kind of guy. But like when I sing in church, I'm adding my voice to a couple hundred other people. And maybe that corporate sound is going to bless someone in the congregation that day. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not feeling it, but I, I'm still in the little, I'm a little drop in that bucket. And that bucket might have washed over somebody with the grace of God, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm I'm doing my part. Yeah. Um, you know, last, a couple of weeks ago, I was visiting my family in Kentucky and I went to what I understand to be one of the largest churches in the country. It's Southeastern church. Oh shit. Um, yep. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I'm not really part of that world, but I heard it was really big. So I just wanted to check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt really, I mean, I, I was going, I felt like I was going as like an, on like an anthropological um, yeah. expedition. I, I just want to see what it was like, because I was ready to be extremely angry and yep. frustrated. And I sort of was, but you know, I also thought, you know what? that's a real church. And I'm not going to say God's not there and people that like, and I, so I had to like check, check myself. Mm-hmm. And so as I sat there, I was like this, I was saying, this is not doing it for me, but I'm not going to deny the fact that the spirit is moving. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I can't do that. Obviously I can't. So I, I was able to find some way to be as authentic as I could be in that space while holding it at arm's length. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it was saying, I hate this music, but it really d- does it for some people. It does. Yeah, I mean, the little old people in my church want hymns in the classical sense every Sunday. And I'm like, bruh, not all of these are great in the hymnal. Let me tell you, they're not all bangers. Okay. (laughs) Oh, no, I can't. I mean, I don't know. They they really connect emotionally to them and their childhood. And I mean, our church looks so old. It is so old. So Mm -hmm. I can imagine to them, it's like a setting thing. I just I can't relate, but outside, uh, let's go back to your book. I'm curious what song like surprised you the most from your list in any way, like that it was there, the artist, mm. the emotions behind it. What's one of the songs that has surprised you the most? Well, that's a really good question. Um, Whoops. <laughs> I would say that what I, one thing that surprised me is to find a, a, um, a really powerful song called After Forever by Black Sabbath. Ooh. And 
But then I started to look into Black Sabbath, Ozzy Osbourne. And the fact is that the whole satanic thing was was never reality. It was all just a fiction they put on. The marketing fact, scheme, yeah, from the satanic. And in fact, <laughs> absolutely. And a couple of the members like really were resistant to it in the early 70s when the record labels were like, you got to do this. And if you check out this song after forever, it is, I mean, it sounds kind of like early metal, but it's, you could sing it at church. It is orthodox. And like, so the very fact there's a, there are a fair number of songs that I can't believe that secular bands release that get to get away with it, mm -hmm. you know, like, so that just, I mean, that song's not a great song, but like the fact that it exists, that there's like an orthodox, you know, Christian song by Black Sabbath from like 1971, that kind of kind of blows me away. Um, I have been writing up on this chapter right now about uh, a song, two songs right now. One is called Street Jesus by Aerosmith. Oh, yes. You know that song? It's that is my That's my like era of music. I'm such um, a grandpa, a classic rock. <laughs> I don't, I, I got stuck. My dad came here <laughs> in the 80s and was a little bit behind and that's where he got stuck. So I got stuck. <laughs> I mean, Stephen Tao is an interesting guy, the lead singer of Aerosmith. He was, you know, raised Roman Catholic. Then he became, you know, a rock star in the 70s and 80s and did a ton of heroin and the band almost broke up. And then mm -hmm. they went to rehab and they, and now they're, Aerosmith, you know, now they, they really had this sort of redemption conversion. And he, there's a great video of him on YouTube uh, singing um, Amazing Grace in this church like 20 years ago. It's like a VHS recording. It's from 2006 yes. or something. So he, and then, you know, there's a video of him and his buddies like playing at a, a re, at playing a, a concert, like a, like a really uh, acoustic set at like a rehab clinic. Like <gasps> now these guys, they're like, and then he, they, he actually talks a lot about faith and spirituality in interviews. He's not a Christian, right? But you know, you know what I say? If you're playing, if you shared your music among drug addicts, you're a Christian. Like, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Like, what would Jesus do? That's what Jesus You're going to that's, You're Yeah, that's it. But, but regardless, <laughs> so this song, Street Jesus, it's it's where he imagines he just literally runs into Jesus on the streets of LA. Mm -hmm. And Jesus looks at him, and of course, what does he say? He says, walk this way. Right? So he references the Aerosmith rock, walk this way. But of course, it also references like, follow me, right? Yeah. And the whole song is about Stephen Tyler, like, spinning should i believe uh, do i have to leave my i gotta leave my life behind like what does it mean and the whole thing ends with this like minute-long repetition of who do you think you are who do you think you are like and so again it's about this like experience where you come into contact with jesus he blows your mind he commands you to follow you are you left you have so many and, and you don't know how you know you react emotionally just like in the bible when people run into jesus it happens all the time right but of course where does he left with the question, mm -hmm. you know? So my perspective is that that's where I am, right? I feel convicted by the message of Jesus and the person of Jesus, but every day I question who is Jesus really? Is my understanding of him correctly? Is my understanding, right? I, I, I have so much doubt. Mm -hmm. So this kind of like kick-ass blues rock song by a guy who's like not anti-Christian, uh, like this is exactly what I need. Yeah. I need some kind of music that puts all that, puts all that down on wax. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I would, if you don't know the actual specific song, you can check it out. It's a great song. Uh, yeah, Aerosmith rocks. Also, the fact that my grandma thought Aerosmith was like 
super devil worshipy is hilarious because all these bands are just so adorable to me in hindsight i'm just like oh you guys are so cute <laughs> and compared to like all the actual devil like they're not even metal yeah. i mean aerosmith's not metal yeah, yeah, yeah. Me? <laughs> and even like yeah my, my grandma's crazy she's she's fun um but yeah i feel like this whole topic kind of goes back to when you're like those of us who deconstruct especially those who are into the arts i feel like we were talking about art a little bit before this but when you're so invested in music and the beautifulness of the world and the art of it all and the creativity and the feelings and you're in touch with like how the spirit is moving through you and then you see or you read the bible and then you see the reflection of what people think the bible is saying in a church and it doesn't seem to line up i feel like it's inevitable for us to just have to walk away because again like you said I was Jesus was calling out to me and I had to ask like who do I think I am am I gonna stay in this toxic environment and let people suffer or am I gonna speak out against it for the sake of what is truly supposed to be the purpose of it all which is love and the beauty of creation and all this junk mm -hmm. like what else, what yeah. other choice do we have yeah, and I think that's why a lot of times that you, you find people find their refuge in in the arts because you can the art you know I say this all the time the arts um, don't ask the kind of questions about faith that that separate us mm. okay so like like I'm not talking like praise and worship music I'm like I do a lot of interfaith and ecumenical work using music and it works because you can have I mean I've had I put I've had a room with dozens and dozens of evangelicals and dozens of of like of mainliners and and we're, we're talking about music that that sets the bible sorry um, musical pieces that use biblical text right mm -hmm. and 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 all that work like i never had an argument because like the, the musical settings bring out of the biblical text the things that we all agree on which is the the, the mm. complexity of life the robustness of the robustness of of the human experience, the love of God, right? And it, music's not didactic in that way, and it's not it's it's not like a, it doesn't give you a bunch of things you need to agree upon to understand. No, we all engage with it directly and personally. So I guess what I'm coming around to say is that I think for a lot of people that are deconstructing, it's not surprising that we go to the arts to find a, a space for us, because you're really not going to find any good piece of art that is that closes the door. Mm. on questions you have now there's a lot of bad stuff out there that closes the door like like simplistic praise and worship heck simplistic hymns mm -hmm. whatever but if you find really good art it's by almost by definition it's good because it's com complex and if it's complex it means you can find yourself in there and chances are you can find your your spiritual experience in there as well right mm -hmm. so maybe you don't go from church a to church b maybe there maybe in the middle there's you know, an experience of art or music you get into or something like that, 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 that's the right place to be, mm. you know, it's the right place to be because it's the place that nourishes the moment of transition and the complexity that you're going through when you're deconstructing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, one of the most beautiful experience I've had specifically in deconstruction, because I kind of edge on the both my, my feet in Christianity and my feet outside of Christianity, but mostly out. But I went to, you know who Semler is? Yes. That's another artist that's like so yes. cool. 
uh, I went to a similar concert in LA cool. a while back and it was my first time. Like, I don't like going to concerts. I don't like going to meet. I'm not, I'm just a homebody. I'm a grandma. I can't stand for that long. No, thank you. <laughs> but I went because I know Grace and I wanted to see her live. So um, I went and studied up on her songs uh, because I like being able to sing at all the concerts and I only knew her mm. hits. But it's one of her biggest hit. I don't know metrically, but in my mind, came on and everybody started singing, I'm fucking gay and thank God for that. When <laughs> Christians cast me out, Jesus had my back. And I had such wow. a viscerally spiritual experience of seeing all, and because everybody was so young there, I felt old and yeah. <laughs> all these young people around who were so very evidently gay and singing. And mm -hmm. I felt the weight of their trauma being lifted. And I was like, oh my gosh, this mm. is just exactly what church is supposed to be like right like this is exactly what christianity is supposed to be like we're all together and saying thank god for that well similar is a great i don't know her personally but you know music um is powerful and is providing the space for people to like mm. i mean it's i mean not literally it's a space it's a shared experience where you can be proud of who you are and you can be in a, in a place that in some ways i think probably feels like an actual safe space to express yourself mm -hmm. in a Christian context, which a lot of, uh, you know, folks haven't, haven't been able to experience. Right. Um, so, you know, even if someone's music was not a, was not Christian or about Jesus, it would still be sacred for me. Oh yeah. Well, I, I don't mean for me, like maybe piece but like I would consider it to be sacred because of what it's doing is what I'm trying to say. Yep. You know, yeah, I mean, it's ministering to people. It's ministering. It's great. Yes, it is. <laughs> I was a. Uh, I did an event with her, and I was running the merch tables for the various people that were there. And I remember people coming up to Grace and how they were talking to her about the what the music did in their life, and I was like, oh my god, this mm. kind of meaning exists. Because I mean, you hear like, or you see people do that with like a rock band. And you're just like, okay, whatever. They're hot. I get it. You love them. <laughs> But when you see somebody like connect it spiritually, but outside of the toxic religion, it was just so like, oh, we can have this too. We can, we can be lovely too. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Just don't, don't, you can't let other folks, you know, take the spiritual experience, take yeah. the truth. It's like, well, it's like the word Christian, right? I mean, I don't know about you. I rarely self-identify with that term. I don't, I can't. I mean. It's been co-opted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's dicey, you know? Uh, and, and and that what you're describing in this concert is kind of like the musical version of someone taking back mm -hmm. a co-opted term, right? Mm -hmm. Of saying, I'm not going to let you have it. Not going to let you have it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it might sound a little different, it might be pronounced a little different than it used to, but, um, you know, it's, 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 um, and that, that sounds, that sounds like a powerful experience. I'd love to go to one of her concerts. Um, I know she keeps going to the East coast and the South um i mean she might be coming to you i'm in california so okay man. um and she lives here in la if, okay if i'm correct um so i feel like you never play where you live because it's just so easy but whatever um you should definitely check her out she's i think she's coming towards you soon i should yeah i mean i you know i'm sure i could i could hip the sort of progressive christian uh community here in boston to a show yeah um, and there's so many more progressive Christian artists coming out too, like Maddie Zam, um, Flamey Grant. <laughs> I love Flamey Grant. She just hit number one. 
wow. NCCM for a little bit. Yeah, that was great. I love a drag queen on the Christian artist. That's amazing. The best. Uh, what else are you writing about these days? What are you seeing out there in the world? Um, I mean, I'm kind of under a rock working on the book, um, but I am keep you know, someone that you've got, if you don't know, um, there's this country singer named Jelly Roll. I love Jelly song? Roll. Okay. <laughs> okay. So like the his record, the record that came out, it was recent, whatever it is. I'm just, I mean, that stuff is so, I mean, half the songs are about Jesus, right? They're about mm-hmm. his his recovery, his story. They're powerful. And, and I mean, they're just, I need to do a, I need to do a, a, a blog post about his, about his record. Cause there's so much in there. It's powerful. I first, uh, learned about him on TikTok actually, which I feel like is probably most people at this point, mm-hmm. but just like the story, the love story between him and his wife is just so like, Oh, how cute. Also, I love strong women. So she really gives me ugh, all the feels. I love it. But jelly roll. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. He, he's amazing. Uh, powerful powerful story and then powerful music powerful powerful lyrics um you know uh i'm trying to think uh man i can't can't what's the one that's about i mean there's a, there are several songs about hypocrisy right about the hypocrisy of the church and that's one of the things that that's that's a chapter in the book is that is how many songs correctly identify hypocrisy in the church and of course i think that those are the songs that we have to hear Mm-hmm. like we we need those are those are the prophets yep. those are the people that are speaking truth to power and they're saying look you and what's amazing about a lot of the you know the songs that i've sort of would, would say i've discovered them but the songs i've studied is that so many of them basically say like they're they're not anti-jesus songs they're the secular songs they're anti-christian songs mm-hmm. but how do they do it because they say hey look at jesus i'm they, they basically say why aren't you following what you, you know, that what your savior does, you know, mm-hmm. they accurately understand who Jesus was and what he preached. And then they say, Hmm, hmm. hmm. you did not seem to be doing that. And then they write a song about it. And I, you know, the last thing, what last thing you want to do is ignore that. You got to, you have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. You need that refiner's fire. Um, everybody, does. I mean, especially anybody in the church, anybody in the American church. And look, I may go to a progressive church, but I'm still part of the, I mean, it's American capitalist imperialism that's i'm part of the system like mm-hmm. you know my, my church has a huge rainbow flag but i'm still i feel you the, the american church is still part of the problem it's still yep. the it's still the empire yep yep and I know. jesus is anti, jesus is anti-empire so <laughs> i know i feel you working for a church as a deconstructed human is wild i mean yeah because my church is like and we're like the rebels in the denomination right now, like in our little regional mm. group or whatever. But still, I'm like, mm, we, our graphic design can't be that good because I don't like when churches have good graphic design because that means that they suck. <laughs> <laughs> like all these things that you think about. Um, that's crazy. Well, when is your book coming out? Plug away well, at have, all the things you got oh, going on. Gosh, I have to write it next year. Um, I have a sabbatical, so that's the plan. Mm-hmm um so i don't know how long it's going to take hopefully a year but i'm working on it for a long time uh so it'll well, you know it's we'll see uh again i have this about I mean, it's a so, big topic so yeah and there's so many songs i'm not writing about every song but or but organizing it down to 12 or 14 chapters by theme is is hard um mm-hmm. uh but you know i i test out uh articles on the patheos uh on the on the channel 
um, and which is called Alleluia, uh, Music in the Christian Life. Uh, if anybody wants to listen to it, um, and sorry, read it. Um, yeah, so I test out some some articles there, and then eventually make it into the book. So slow but sure. I mean, we love it. I'm already in love with it, but I'm a music nerd. So I was, oh, did I tell you that I was in the handbook choir? <laughs> uh, you are a music nerd. No offense, but yeah. that, that's my, that's nerdier than anything. Handbell yeah. choir. Yep. I started in the Baptist church and then at APU, they're like, do you want a scholarship for an enormous amount compared to the time put in? And I was like, yeah. And now I know how to properly ring a bell. <laughs> right. Because there's a proper technique, everybody. Yeah. And Oh, you got to wear those gloves too, right? Oh yeah, we even did like Very the serious. Carol of the Bells and Blacklight, so our only our gloves showed, so we had to memorize it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, gotta love shit. Gotta love shtick like that. That's that's yep. I love that. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> but they gave me a lot of money, so oh my god, that's amazing. I, yeah, we would have recitals even um at the end of every semester and all my friends would come and they would bring me flowers because they thought it was hilarious (laughs) you know every you know everybody you know there are people that are like everyone there's all every little thing in the world has its people who are who are all in and i love that kind of thing you know yeah our teacher was all in (laughs) she was great she tried to make me do this is a nerdy talk but this is how we're gonna end (laughs) Um, yeah because i said (laughs) she tried to make me do four bells so two in each hand and i was like i'm gonna stick to these medium-sized bells because one i'm not strong and two i'm not learning all that complicated shit all right i know what i'm here for and i'm here to ring the middle c okay (laughs) that's what i'm here for (laughs) and then they have those massive ones too you can hardly even hear them yeah you know oh yeah i wasn't allowed past a certain point um because they get so giant they're like the size of your fucking torso yeah it's true oh no and they're brass they're heavy absolutely not i didn't do that but my church wants me to play them and i probably will soon well it's especially good for gonna get ready for christmas these perfect for christmas yes we will have to have you back on this podcast when some big musical shenanigan goes down i love shenanigans yeah sure the next the next controversy and I love you know. controversy. I love talking shit. <laughs> That's my jam. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, friends, you can find me on Instagram at Speaking in Church or at Josie Takes the World. We have a tip jar and we have merch. Uh, do you have any online presences you want to announce, Delvin, besides Patheos? Yeah, well, my Patheos uh, channel is, is where I want people to go because they can read my stuff. Uh, oh. It's called Al- It's called Alleluia music and the Christian life. And it's just on patheos.com. So that's, that's the place to go. Cool. Patheos.com, everybody. Simple enough. And links will be up. So no excuse. All right, friends. Stay woke or get woke. See you later. Bye. This has been an irreverent media podcast.